That's a difficult one. I think part of the idea of the book was that we're a center for conflict resolution. Um, and we were founded in 1968, so quite well established. So the idea of how peacemaking is done and what makes good peacemakers and s celebrating their achievements is something that I think a center for conflict resolution like ours should be doing. So I think that was part of the motivation. But another is the fact that there needs to be more of a bridge between Africa and its diaspora. And the strong links that were there during the Pan-African struggle are not as strong these days. So I think that was another motivating factor. Mm -hmm. And the Nobel Peace Prize, why, why that as a focus of... Well, the Nobel Peace Prize helps us to frame the debate about peacemakers. It's the most prestigious prize in the world in terms of that particular field. It's kind of like a gold standard. So even though there's a lot of controversy and subjectivity about five Norwegians determining who is the best peacekeeper, uh, just as there is about Swedes determining global taste in literature, I think it's a matter of looking at the gold standard and trying to see the achievements of some of these rather remarkable figures and others less so. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, because I find this aspect very interesting because I, I kind of got the sense that you're not in total agreement about some of the recipients as a whole of the Nobel Peace Prize. Yes, I think the Nobel Peace Prize has often been controversial. In terms of the 13 Nobel Peace Laureates of African descent whom we deal with in this book, I think there were three that were particularly controversial. F.W. de Klerk in 1993 got it with Nelson Mandela, and I think even Mandela felt uncomfortable having to share it with de Klerk. And this is because, of course, de Klerk had always been from a family that supported apartheid, and he kind of gave up power, not because he thought apartheid was necessarily morally repugnant, but more because he thought it had failed, in his words, as a sort of system of control. So I think that was controversial because it seemed to be making a moral equivalent between Mandela, who is clearly was one of the greatest moral figures of the 20th century, and de Klerk. But I think on the other hand, one has to see that de Klerk was a peacemaker that made peace with uh, Mandela and ended apartheid. He was a necessary partner. And unlike someone like P.W. Bota, who may have been tempted to try to hang on, he at least agreed to commit political suicide. I think Obama was also controversial in 2009, just because he'd been in power for only nine months and by his own admission had not really achieved very much mm. by that time. And the third person that was controversial that we examined in this book was Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, the president of Liberia. She got it four days before a presidential election, which looked extremely political. And she also has done some things like funding Charles Taylor at the beginning of the Liberian Civil War in 1990. That seems to be the opposite of peacemaking. And you spent quite a bit of time in Liberia, and you wrote a chapter uh, on on this on Ellen uh, Johnson Sirleaf. So, 
What is it that you think made her acceptable or desirable as a candidate for for the Nobel Peace Prize eventually? I mean, I think we must see that this is also quite a political process. You know, apart from the Nobel Committee itself in Oslo, Norway, there are nominations uh, that can be mm. got for this prize from universities, think tanks, um, you know, f- former Nobel Peace Laureates and others can nominate. So there is some lobbying and politics that can go on before. But in my view, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, who is a very competent technocrat, has an extremely good public relations uh, spin machinery. She's extremely popular with people like Hillary Clinton when she was U.S. Secretary of State. The um, Also the Danish uh, special representative of the U.N., uh, Loy, uh, was people like that were very supportive of Johnson Sirleaf and kept promoting her in terms of what she was doing. And even though I think she managed to attract foreign investment into Liberia, I think $16 billion worth of foreign investment, things did not really improve dramatically on the ground Mm. as her spin machine were trying to make out. So even though she got it for promoting women's rights, which she consistently has done, and she fought against the dictatorship uh, in Liberia, uh, also, um, I think she's has an inconsistent record in my view. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go back to the four South Africans which um, you deal with in the book. I, I find it very interesting how you uh, sort of weave the similarities uh, Albert Lutuli and Archbishop Tutu and uh, Nelson Mandela and Archbishop Tutu at some point and Albert Lutuli as well. Do you think it's those similarities that have developed characters that were able to be candidates for the Nobel Peace Prize and obviously eventually winners? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a bit of... It's part of two things, I would say. Obviously, they were remarkable figures in their own right. Uh, Albert Lutuli... Um, was from KwaZulu-Natal, from a rural area. He was a traditional chief who was able to bridge the divide between the urban and rural areas. Uh, And he was, of course, head of the ANC from 1951 to 1967, an extremely Mm. eloquent, articulate and principled fighter and someone who believed in Gandhian methods of nonviolence. Uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, of course, was also one of the most articulate spokesperson for the anti-apartheid struggle. And he was very brave in terms of what he did in townships, in going in and trying to stop people from being necklaced and things like that under apartheid.